Welcome to Frontline Voices, a podcast by the Natural Resources Council of Maine. We all all share a love for Maine's environment. Every day, decisions are made that could impact our woods, waters, wildlife, and climate. Join us as we share stories of Mainers working to build healthier communities and protect what makes Maine so special. Welcome to Frontline Voices. I'm your host, Colin Durant. On March 16th, the chiefs of the tribes in Maine appeared before a special joint session of the legislature for the Wabanaki Nation State of the Tribes Address. It was the first State of the Tribes Address in more than two decades, and it was also the first time ever that all five tribal chiefs appeared before the legislature. The historic moment came at a critical time in the Wabanaki people's efforts to achieve full sovereignty. That same day, NRCM's Josh Caldwell joined hundreds of other Mainers at a lobby day hosted by the Wabanaki Alliance to express support for Wabanaki sovereignty. One of NRCM's top priorities is to stand alongside the Wabanaki people as they work toward the state of Maine, recognizing the inherent sovereignty of the Wabanaki people in their homelands. During this year's legislative session, we'll be continuing our support for legislation that achieves full sovereignty for the tribes in Maine. In this episode of Frontline Voices, we wanted to give you a chance to listen to what the chiefs said before the legislature. The remarks will last longer than our usual episode length, but we believe it's important we listen and learn from what was said during the State of the Tribes Address. In the recording that follows, you'll hear Senate President Troy Jackson, who is presiding over the joint session, introduce the chiefs before they each speak. Thank you so much for listening, and we encourage you to visit WabanakiAlliance.com to learn more about how you can support the Wabanaki in their quest for full sovereignty. The chair is pleased to welcome the Honorable Carissa Sabatis, Chief of the Holton Band of the Maliseet Indians for the purpose of addressing the Joint Convention. Good morning. My name is Clarissa Sabatis, and I am Willis Degue, or Maliseet, and we are the people of the Medexdekeg. I'm the chief of the Holton Band of Maliseet Indians, and on behalf of our nation, I offer our gratitude to Madam Speaker Talbot Ross, Senate President Jackson, House Minority Leader Falkingham, and Senate Minority Leader Stewart for the invitation to address this joint convention today. I also extend that gratitude to their staff and all who have worked so hard to make this possible and to those who made it a priority to attend this historic event. I'd also like to recognize an amazing partner joining us today, Congressman Golden. This is the very first time all four tribes have delivered a State of the Tribes address in the history of this great state of Maine. (laughs) I'd like to say thank you to our elders who have offered opening prayers, asking that we all speak and listen with good intentions. I also want to recognize our drummers and singers for being here today and to start us off in a good way, filling these halls with our language, 
with the echo of Mother Earth's heartbeat. And speaking of our language, in my travels around the state, I see many Wabanaki place names. These names always make me feel connected, connected to the waters, to the land, but most importantly to our ancestors who named them. While we still encounter Maine citizens who don't know that there are tribes here, these place names are a reminder of the first peoples to inhabit this territory. We are not a long forgotten society. We are strong, we are resilient, and most importantly, we are still here. <laughs> I feel that our cultural tourism efforts are a way to teach and celebrate who we are as a people and share it with those who call Maine home, as well as those who come from away. There's nothing I love more than to enter Maine's borders and be greeted not by the welcome sign, but by one that says, home of the Wabanaki nations. This is also why I support LR 1566, an act to strengthen the teaching of Wabanaki studies in Maine schools. LD 291 that was passed in 2001 required Maine history to be taught in Maine schools. It was introduced by the Honorable Donna Loring, who at the time was a Penobscot legislative representative. Teaching the true history of Wabanaki or the people of the Don is so important and this bill will help ensure the intentions of LD 291 are fully recognized here in Maine. At times, history can be uncomfortable, but ignoring it does not make it go away. Our youngest citizens in Maine should have the opportunity to understand the incredible history of resilience of our Wabanaki nations told from a Wabanaki perspective. I also support LR 1184, an act implementing the recommendations of the task force on changes to the Maine Indian Claims Settlement Implementing Act. That's a mouthful. <laughs> this is sponsored by Speaker Talbot Ross. We need the space to self-determine our own destinies. While our right to exercise our jurisdiction was never removed, the Maine Indian Claims Settlement Act also encourages us to negotiate jurisdictional agreements with the state of Maine. Passage of this bill is a step in the direction towards self-determination. As leaders, we all know the importance of having the ability to make changes for the betterment of our citizens. And we will always work with you to protect our shared resources for everyone's benefit. Our Maliseet borders are within Aroostook County, which currently ranks 11th in health outcomes and 12th and 12th, sorry, for health factors out of the 16 counties in Maine. One of those important factors that impact our health outcomes is the socioeconomic status of those living in Aroostook County. Our goal is to create local jobs and economic growth for our tribe and our neighboring towns and county. <clears throat> sorry. Our tribal government is one of the largest employers in our area employing tribal and non-tribal citizens. 
Not only do we infuse funds into the local economy through employment, but we also believe in supporting local and family-owned businesses. Cultural tourism will also be another economic development opportunity to further us on the path towards economic independence, which is essential for fostering thriving communities. We are currently in the hospitality business, owning and operating our Wilderness Pines campground that offers a beautiful lodge and cabins with other amenities. This has become a wedding destination, and we are currently working on creating spaces where people can have cultural camping experiences. We also own a motel that is currently being remodeled. It's called Wallistic Inn and Suites, and both are located in northern Maine. The governor's bill that provided the tribes with mobile sports wagering exclusivity has the potential to be a wonderful economic tool. It can provide funds to fill gaps in underfunded tribal government programs and offer needed resources to support economic growth and diversity in our area. It is my hope that the process will be expeditious and the proposed regulations will not hamstring the tribe's ability to find a partner and have success. With, with licensing fees and 10% of adjusted gross wagering receipts coming back to the state of Maine, our success is your success. Our tribe is currently working on setting up our very first court in partnership with Penobscot Nation. This court will <clears throat> will at first only focus on addressing child support enforcement. Passage of LR 1184 would also help clear the way for us to work towards a fully operational court, exercising our jurisdiction to the fullest extent allowed under the law and creating equity among the tribes in Maine. I also support the Indian Child Welfare Act bill sponsored by Senator Bailey. It doesn't currently have a title, but we've been working with the AG's office our Maliseet children are, are our greatest resource, and they hold our future in their hands. It was only 25 years ago that the state was removing our children at a troubling rate, more than 10%, and devastating our community. This legislature will have the opportunity to pass an Indian Child Welfare Bill to help keep our families together and make them stronger, and I urge you to support it. Food sovereignty is a, is a priority that our tribal nation has also been hyper-focused on since the pandemic. When we looked around to assess the needs that, that there may be that we could truly impact, feeding our people was top priority. Meeting this basic human need is a determinant of all of our health and well-being. With the help of our wonderful staff, community, and partners, we have been successful in starting up a food pantry, farming some of our own land that typically is leased to farmers, providing the tools and the knowledge to our citizens on how to grow and process their own foods. And this is just the beginning. We are engaging our youth in this process, from planting and growing to developing a food sovereignty plan. We need to engage our younger generation and model the way. Again, the ability to exercise our jurisdiction will fill a gap that we experience on the path to realizing food sovereignty. The ability to hunt and fish under our own authority without the need to issue main licenses is another inequity created by this 1980 settlement language. With only two of our four tribes that can exercise this inherent right to hunt and fish on their own lands without interference. COVID has also highlighted other needs. Our tribal nation, Malseat Health and Wellness Center, 
I'm sorry, our tribal administration and our Mouse Health and Wellness Center and other departments were quick to meet emerging needs of the pandemic in partnership with state and federal agencies. But the pandemic presented unique challenges for citizens with substance use disorder and those needing behavioral health services. Our behavioral health program was swift to problem solve and do all they could to ensure delivery of needed services. And this required restructuring and growth to meet the ongoing need and emerging needs as a result of the pandemic. With the partnership of Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness, who serves all of our tribes, we are seeing the constant growth of behavioral health and substance use services that are grounded in our Wabanaki life ways. Their services reach beyond our borders and meet our citizens where they are. The issue of substance use is not just tribal. We have a shared responsibility with you to address this epidemic. We are all on this path together. The Holton Band of Maliseet Indians is one of eight Wolustigwe or Maliseet First Nations, and we continue to inhabit our traditional territory of Wolustig or St. John Watershed, which includes the northeastern portion of Maine into New Brunswick. Our ancestors have inhabited this lands long for long, I'm sorry, these, our ancestors have inhabited the land along these rivers and waterways for time immemorial. Being a riverine people, water has always been at the center of our existence, from sustenance to ceremony. Land ownership was not our way, but today, in today's world, it is a way to ensure existence of our nation and exercise stewardship. There is a word in our language, and it's pronounced Ndolnabamek. It means all my relations. It is our belief that all of our relations reach beyond our human family and envelop the earth clans, the four-legged, the air clan, and the water clan. While we have adapted over the years to changing environment, we still believe that the water and land is key to survival and remains sacred. There is a relationship of reciprocity that has become unbalanced. And it is our duty as stewards of these lands and all of our relations that inhabit it. <clears throat> our tribe works collaboratively with the Conservation District, Regional Maine DEP Office, USDA, and NRCS as part of an ongoing watershed effort to control erosion with a focus on agriculture. We have also been working on restoring the aquatic habitat in the Meduxnik Egg since 2011 with our latest project in partnership with the town of Holton to replace failing culverts. This is just a couple examples of the collaborative work taking place. While some of our methods of stewardship have evolved in contemporary times, it remains our responsibility to adapt and overcome obstacles to restoring the ecosystem in our traditional lands to improve the livelihood of all that inhabit them. This is not just a responsibility of the Holton Band of Maliseet Indians. This is a shared responsibility of all of us in this room. All of us that live in this beautiful state. I look forward to standing beside you all to find ways to fulfill this shared duty of reciprocity and stewardship for the future of our relatives. We do not own these lands. We only borrow them from our future generations. I would like to thank everyone on both sides of the aisle for their meaningful engagement and willingness to come to the table to modernize the Settlement Act. It was enacted at a time when the rest of the nation was making a shift from an era of tribal termination to supporting the self-determination of tribal nations. The state of Maine took a step backwards, and this has remained for decades. 
Our resilience has helped us build complex governmental infrastructures to serve our citizens, despite having to live with this un the unintended consequences of this law. And as some of you have heard or read from the Harvard report, self-governance policies and self-determination have fostered exceptional economic growth across Indian country, in some cases completely alleviating the need for state and local services to individuals. As a result of this unchanging law, we have become outliers in Indian country, economically underperforming when compared to tribes across the continental US. So with that, I'd like to say I look forward to our continued partnership and forging a new path forward that is not only better for our tribe, but is also better for this great state that we all call home. Thank you. Chairs, now pleased to welcome the Honorable Rena Newell, Chief of the Passapoti Tribe at Sipiak for the purpose of addressing the Joint Convention. Will he win? Thank you. Wooly Spuzz Will, it's a good morning. As I begin, I was going to describe to you the welcome song. However, I would defer to the song sung by Lawrence Stevens, that being the humble song. Chi Willy Wun to Passamaquoddy tribal citizen Lauren Stevens, the daughter of former Chief Richard Stevens of the Passamaquoddy tribe at Indian Township, who addressed this legislative body during the first State of the Tribes address. He is here today. He is seated in the gallery. I'm not sure if he received recognition at the start, uh, but it's good to have you here, former Chief Richard Stevens. Chi Willy Wun. I am happy to have traveled here from Sabayak, located on the edge of Passamaquoddy land on the shore of Passamaquoddy Bay, home to the beautiful and proud people of the Beskamukarik, the Passamaquoddy tribal government and community of tribal citizens of the most eastern tribe to welcome the sunrise from the east. We are part of the Wabanaki, the people of the dawn. As the daughter of Mary Ursula and the late Timothy John Newell Sr., who served as a former council member, former Lieutenant Governor of Sabayak, and until his earthly departure, proudly served as a member of our school board at Sabayak. As the great granddaughter of the Honorable Passamaquoddy Tribal Representative, Lewis Mitchell. As a mother of two to two amazing daughters, Courtney and Kylie. As the Ukama, a grandmother of three grandgirls, Lavella, Danea, and Nias. I humbly stand before you now in a good way.
to bring forth a message as the chief of the Passamaquoddy tribe at Sibayak. Diliwis Rina Newell, my name is Rina Newell. Gulazikwolpa, I greet you. As I begin, I want to offer gratitude and recognition once again to those in attendance. To Speaker of the House, Representative Rachel Talbot Ross, Chiwili Wun. House Majority Leader, Representative Maureen. Terry Chiwili Wun. Assistant House Majority Leader, Representative Kristen Cloutier. Republican Leader, Representative Billy Bob Falkingham. Assistant Republic Leader, Republican Leader, Amy Arada. And of course, to the Senate President, Mr. Troy Jackson, thank you. And to the Senate, and to the honorable and distinguished members of the Senate and the House of Representatives, it's truly my honor to be with you once again. As the former tribal representative to this body, you have heard my words before. I've had the privilege of speaking on the floor of this house in the last four years. I appreciated your patience then, and I ask for it once again today. I am once again honored to be here among the honorable chiefs of the Wabanaki tribes, Chief Clarissa Savadas of the Holton Band of Maliseets, Chief Charlie Peter Paul of the Mi'kmaq Nation, Chief William Nicholas of the Passamaquoddy tribe at Madokmikuk, and Chief Kirk Francis of the Penobscot Nation. These Wabanaki tribal leaders hold a combined 50 years of leadership experience in serving their respective communities. I would be remiss if I did not also introduce you, please, if I may. I also would like to introduce you to the Vice Chief of the Passamaquoddy Tribe at Sabayak, Vice Chief Buzz Bassett, who is here with me today in the audience. I'd also like to send uh, gratitude and uh, appreciation to having the associates, Associate Supreme Court Justices, whom I just met in the Speaker's office, Justice Lawrence and Justice Mee. Thank you for sharing this time with us today. To Congressman Golden, Chi Willie Wen, for traveling here today. Thank you for your visit to Sabayak, and I look forward to continuing uh, our work together. Thank you. To Penobscot Nation Ambassador Molly Andena, Maliseet Ambassador Zeke Crofton McDonald, and Passamaquoddy Rep uh, Tribal Representative Aaron Dana, honorable tribal elders, tribal citizens, former tribal representatives and tribal council members, and tribal attorneys, Chiwili Wynn for being here today. And to the singers and the drummers that traveled here today that welcome this day I especially wish to acknowledge our youth in attendance and the Maine Indian education students that are watching today, serving under the direction of Penobscot Nation tribal citizen, Principal Lee Francis, the Penobscot Nation students, serving under the direction of Passamaquoddy tribal citizen, interim principal, my sister, Molly Newell, 
Madokmikuk Elementary School. And serving under the direction of Principal Dan Morang, the Sabayak Elementary School students. To all that stand in support of the Wabanek Nation tribes, members of the Maine Indian Tribal State Commission, the Wabanaki Alliance, and the Wabanaki Alliance Coalition, Chiwili Wun, thank you very much for being here today. While these acknowledgments may have taken a bit of my speaking time, I feel it is important to give recognition, appreciation, and send gratitude and greetings to those that are in this shared space. On March 11, 2002, I watched in awe at the State of the Tribes Address, held for the first time in Maine history, led by the work of my friend, the Honorable Donna Loring, while serving as the Penobscot Nation Tribal Representative. I recall how proud I was to see tribal chiefs presented in full traditional regalia, each articulating their respective written speeches before the legislative branch. I was connected by the hopeful words that I heard Yet I was filled with more pride of the visual representation of my culture through the tribal leadership heard on that day. 21 years later, on March 11, 2023, I began to write words that I have come to learn may have been shared before. Today is beyond symbolic. Today, just as I did 21 years ago, I will appreciate the words heard before me and those that will follow. And it's so, certainly my hope that those in attendance today and watching and the members of this great state, the citizens of the state of Maine, will also hear the messages brought forth on this day. My speech right now tells me to go off script. I'm going to do that. I want to share this morning when I woke, I felt rushed. I felt I had a limited time. What would you say? How would you deliver it? And then I was like, well, they've heard me be before. They've heard me speak before. They've allowed me to go off a little bit, go a little bit longer. I appreciate that. I think it's very fitting that the choice that I made in the option of this part of my speech, this is now my choice. I would now like to quote the words of my great grandfather who spoke to this same legislative body. These remarks were from 1887 and the detail of the history of our contributions to this country. In 1775 or 1776, in the struggle between Great Britain and America, your people came to us for assistance. You authorized Colonel John Allen to speak to us. You said he is our mouth. Believe what he says to you. After many kind words and promises, 
Francis Joseph, who was chief of the tribe at that time, accepted his offer. He promised to go and help his people gain their independence. Immediately, he sent his captains to different points of his country to notify his people to prepare for immediate war. In a few days, Francis Joseph gathered an army of 600 men. At that time, and many years before that, the Passamaquoddy tribe was the headquarters of the Abenaki nation. The Passamaquoddy tribe can show you by statement of Joshua Driscoll of Jonesfort, how the Passamaquoddy Indians faithfully fought for the American people to help them gain their independence. And the Passamaquoddy tribe also can show you by affidavit of William Watt of Jonesboro, Maine, one of the revolutionary soldiers, how he was alongside of Francis Joseph the chief and heard him ask permission from Captain Smith to fire the first gun. And Captain Smith gave him permission. He fired and killed an officer who was in the stern of the boat. The distance measuring nearly three quarters of a mile from where it fired. And we can also show you by the same affidavit how many Indians were in the army. It was 600 men and they served two years. The Passamaquoddy tribe can show you by letter from Colonel John Allen when he authorized the Passamaquoddy Indians to guard the coast from, Mass from Machias to Passamaquoddy Bay and authorize them to seize the enemy's vessels. And according to his orders, orders we can show you by the affidavit Captain Sapio Soctoma, with 50 others of his tribe, captured an army schooner in Passamaquoddy Bay. And they ran her to Machias and gave her up to Colonel John Allen. And we can also show you by the statement of John Allen Jr. how the Passamaquoddy Indians followed the enemy from Machias to Castine. The Passamaquoddy tribe can show you by the affidavit of Magaset Frost, who saw the Indians at Castine and told how they faithfully fought for the Americans. Now nearly all of these statements were sworn to before magistrates. And we can also show you many different histories that mention how the Passamaquoddy Indians fought for you such as Hall's history, Williamson's history, and the history of the town of Machias, and how by all these statements, histories, and traditions, no doubt the Indians must have served in that war. We can also further show you by the letter dated in Massachusetts in 1780, after the war was over, in that letter, you said to us, on account of the large army we supply and dry summer of this year, we cannot 
send you any supplies. But you promised us you would. You would see to our just claims in future. We can now show many old documents and letters before the Revolutionary War and during the war, if necessary. Now about these before-mentioned letters and affidavits, we were advised by some intelligent persons to present them to the Maine legislature. They said to us, if they favor you, they will refer them to Congress. They said to us, it may not come in the form of pensions, but you stand a chance to get something for your services from the general government. We know the Indians who served in that war are passed out of existence, but the Passamaquoddy helped the Americans in that war, and the tribe is still in existence. Now we humbly ask your attention to help us. Now look at this yourselves and see whether I'm right or wrong. If you find any insulting language in my speech, I ask your pardon. I don't mean to insult anybody, but simply tell you of our wrongs. Lewis Mitchell of the Passamaquoddy tribe of Indians presented to the state of Maine House of Representatives on March 8th, 1887. I, I, in closing, I just want to say, Chi uh, Willy Wen, for the opportunity to have spoken to you. I think it was important for me to convey who was in the room, who's listening to the words before you, how will they be received. And I thought it was important to go to the past. We can speak of the present, we can speak of the future, but it's important to reflect upon the past in order to move towards the future. My words are words that have been spoken long ago. The words of my great-grandfather is an example. And I thought today would be a fitting day to share his words once again. Chiwiliwun, Apjudj. Chairs now pleased to welcome the Honorable Kirk Francis, Chief of the Penobscot Nation, for the purpose of addressing the Joint Convention. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Mr. President, Madam Speaker, members of leadership, and all of you in this room. What a terrific day. It was just five years ago when things were broken so badly that the Penobscot Nation, after 200 years of holding a representative seat here, um, chose to walk out. It seemed impossible and unfixable. And here we are, and it's a credit to all of you in this room. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know a lot of people have been acknowledged uh, already. I will not do that again. Um, 
but I feel there's one person I should acknowledge in the room. Um, I have members of my council here, our ambassador, obviously, and, and many of our citizens. Uh, you don't get too far in life without, without support. Um, I'd like to acknowledge somebody who's worked on behalf of Indian people her whole life, grew up on her own Indian reservation, and for some reason took pity on me and married me. So my, my wife, Allison, So as Chief of the Penobscot Nation, I bring you greetings on behalf of our Vice Chief, Mark Sockbeeson, our Tribal Council, our Ambassador Molly and Dana, and the citizens of our great tribe. The Penobscot Nation is a proud to be part of the Wabanaki Confederacy. I am honored to be here today with my brother and sister Wabanaki Nations. Penobscot people have lived in this territory for over 10,000 years. It is our home today, and it will be forever. Our history and culture are bound to this territory its land and natural resources. Our name comes from our sacred river. In our main community, Indian Island, is located near Old Town in the Penobscot River and serves as our seat of government. The Penobscot people have been buried on Indian Island for thousands of years. We continue to preserve and respect that final resting place for our people. I was raised on Indian Island, and one day I'll be proud to be buried there. I share this with you so you can understand the commitment of the Penobscot Nation government and its people to this territory, to its well-being, to its future. We are not like some corporate entity that will shut down and move out of state when there's no more profits to be made. We have forever been here and we will forever remain here. We are committed to our lands and our economic well-being, but also committed to our neighbors and their economic well-being. We, we no longer subscribe to not accepting the things or accepting the things that we cannot change, but focus rather to change the things we cannot accept. We want to work with our neighbors and with you to find ways to make all of Maine prosper. At the beginning of the American Revolution in 1775, Chief Joseph Orono and other Penobscot leaders traveled to Watertown to address the Provincial Congress of Massachusetts, which included the territory of Maine. The purpose of Orono's visit was to present grievances on behalf of the Penobscot people. One of the grievances was a Phipps proclamation which declared war on the Penobscot in 1755 and authorized bounties for scalps of Penobscot men, women, and children. Chief Orono obviously wanted the killing of Penobscot people to end, and he also wanted six miles of land on either side of the Penobscot River to be reserved for our people and protected from trespass. In exchange, he committed the Penobscot Nation to fight alongside the American colonists in their struggle for independence from the British Crown. The Massachusetts government agreed to the bargain, and the Penobscot Nation fought in the Revolutionary War on the side of the Americans and defended this territory we now know as Maine. Since the American Revolution, Penobscot people have fought in every military conflict, much more than any other American population. One of our oldest citizens, Charles Shea, served as a medic on, on the beaches of Normandy on D-Day in 1944. He ended up a prisoner of war twice in his service, but still managed to come home to Indian Island. Today there is a statue of a turtle on the beaches of Normandy pointing towards Indian Island, and we have one here pointing towards France to remind us of Penobscot's critical support during World War II. This is just one example of the amazing veteran community we have. 
Penobscot Nation has always fought for life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We have always fought for freedom and for the protections of this land, and we will continue to do so. Over the past few years, there has been a decent amount of press coverage on the Wabanaki Nations and our desire to reassess the limitations on our sovereignty that were put in place in 1980 through the land claims. Many people are confused as to exactly what we want. So I want to try to address some of that today. In 1970, President Richard Nixon gave a special address to Congress announcing a new federal policy towards American Indians. This was being done, according to Nixon, after centuries of injustice and failed federal policies such as forced termination and assimilation. The national policy would be one of Indian self-determination, focusing on strengthening tribal nations' autonomy by increasing opportunities for education, economic development, and self-governance. More than 50 years later, the federal policy announced by Nixon continues to be in place. Historians, economists, and many others praise the policy as one of the most successful in United States history. It has led to not only improvements in tribal communities, but also in the regional communities in which tribes are located. The new federal policy of self-determination also included the federal government doing better at upholding its obligations to American Indian tribes. This included the federal government bringing litigation on behalf of tribes for the wrongful loss of tribal land. That is what happened in Maine. Litigation was brought by the federal government against the state of Maine in 1972 regarding the wrongful taking of Penobscot and Passamaquoddy land. Ultimately, two settlements were reached between the tribal nations, state of Maine, and federal government. The settlements had to be ratified by Congress, and that happened in 1980. These settlements extinguished our land claims. In exchange, we received money from the federal government for the reasonable value of the land. It should be noted the state of Maine did not contribute one dime to that settlement. The tribes pushed for inclusions of provisions that allow us to govern ourselves, our land, free from outside interference. However, the state included provisions that said no federal law enacted to benefit Indians before or after the settlements shall apply in Maine if it impacts state jurisdiction. Time has shown that the state can object to almost any federal law applying to the tribes in Maine. This has led to significant restrictions on our sovereignty and our ability to self-govern our lands and resources. It has also led us to having significantly less rights and powers than any other tribe in the United States. More importantly, ad hoc objections from the state have created a chilling effect on federal agencies and private companies wanting to work with us to create economic, social, and public safety opportunities. Opportunities that would benefit not just us, but also the entire region in which we are located. The federal policy of self-determination has been reaffirmed by almost every president since Nixon. Yet in Maine, we are stuck in 1980s policy. And the tribes have had to commit significant resources to us trying to advocate on a case-by-case -case basis to be included in federal laws that are passed and supposed to apply to us. Our federal representative, Congressman Jared Golden, who is here today, fought for a bill last Congress to have every new federal beneficial act apply to the Wabanaki Nations. And I'd like to take an opportunity to recognize his courage and strength and fight on that issue.
Harvard University con concluded that the bill would have provided significant benefits to the Wabanaki nations and rural Maine. Yet, unfortunately, uh, the bill died in the Senate. The Penobscot people in Wabanaki nations are Mainers. The blood, sweat, and tears of our ancestors run through this land, and it will continue to do so for generations to come. We are not going anywhere. All we want is for state government to break decisively from the past and join the era of self-determination for tribal nations that has proven so successful throughout the rest of the country. We are capable of self-governance and should be treated as partners rather than threats to the future of the state. We want a relationship with state government that is based on mutual trust, fidelity, and respect. A relationship that recognizes the unique contributions of Wabanaki peoples to this state and promotes our self-determination without interference. The state of the Penobscot Nation is strong. Our history is one of endurance, survival, of adapting in the face of overwhelming obstacles. We are still here. We have made an enormous contribution to the existence of this state, to its outdoor culture, its art, its sense of history, strength, and purpose. The Penobscot Nation is strong, but we can be stronger through partnerships. We are one of the largest employers in our region. We operate over 110 programs, including public safety, tribal court, housing, social services, natural resource protection, health and education, to name a few. Our tribal health department, as a shining example of self-governance and self-determination, was critical at successfully navigating us through the COVID pandemic. And we worked with state and local health agencies on a regular basis to share information and resources. We provided services to all our employees and their family members and worked to support everyone connected to our community, regardless of whether they were Penobscot or not. We donated thousands of pieces of personal protective equipment to local medical facilities during the shortages, and we serviced hundreds of people for COVID-related issues. We delivered over 150,000 meals during that period, and not one of our employees lost a day of pay. That's self-determination and self-governance. And although our economic development and business development still lags far behind most other tribal nations in the country, we are working creatively to address these challenges and we welcome all ideas and partnerships. We are not opposed to development but believe in responsible and sustainable development. These lands and natural resources have to last us and other Maine people forever. We cannot ruin them for profits today, but need to responsibly manage them so they can benefit us all for generations to come. The Penobscot Nation owns more than 100,000 acres. Two thirds of this land is managed for forestry. We do it in a sustainable manner. Our forestry operations supports hundreds of jobs in this state and we use all local vendors to do this work. We spend significant time, effort, and resources monitoring the Penobscot River and its watershed. The Penobscot River is not just a body of water. It is a living relative, and we truly connect with our ancestors there. We collect more water quality samples in the river than any other entity in the state, and we work extensively to enhance habitat for species within its ecosystem. All Mainers benefit from a healthy river, and we all share a responsibility to care for it. And we focus on our youth by providing programs to help them get educated to become future leaders. 
and I'm proud to report to you today that just last year, the Penobscot Nation Youth Council was named National Youth Council of the Year among 574 federally recognized tribes across this country. So our future is bright. The Penobscot Nation is strong, but we can be stronger and we can be better engines for regional economic development and general welfare if the state is willing to change the dynamics of our relationship to one that recognizes our self-governing abilities, sovereignty over our land, and provides us access to federal beneficial acts intended to benefit all Indian tribes. The last four years have been very productive in advancing tribal state relations. With your help, we were able to make significant advancements on water quality standards, collaboration on state policies that directly impact us, tax treatment of activities occurring on our lands, and access to participate in the new industry of mobile sports betting. We were ready and capable of taking on these new responsibilities and so much more. Think of us as partners for Maine's future. When we get the privilege to participate in new industries such as mobile sports wagering, we make sure to also benefit long-standing Maine institutions such as the Harness Racing Industry, Horsemen's Association, Agricultural Fairs. These institutions are quintessential Maine, and we recognize the need to keep them. Every dollar the Penobscot Nation generates in profits remains in Maine. We don't have shareholders. We have citizens, and a vast majority of them live here. There is a movement back to a made-in-America economy. The Penobscot Nation fully supports Made in America and asks that you remember Native America when developing policies to advance Maine's future. Maine's indigenous voices and knowledge are critical to the advancement of our state. I want to thank, again, Speaker Talbot Ross, Leader Billy Bob Falkingham, Senator Troy Jackson, and others for coming to Penobscot Nation and participating in bipartisan talks with the Wabanaki leaders about how to build on these past successes. I am confident that we can make more progress and am ready to roll up our sleeves, my sleeves, and do the work. I also want to thank the people of Maine, and this is very important, who have taken the time to become educated and engaged in the issues that the Penobscot Nation and Wabanaki Nations face. Countless numbers of you have come to rallies, testified before the legislature, wrote op-eds, and sent your well wishes. You have said loud and clear that you want a better relationship to exist between the state and the Wabanaki nations. Your friendship has meant everything. And lastly, I want to thank the Penobscot people for continuing to put their trust in me and work with me to advocate for progress for our tribal community and region. We are all in this together, and together we can make more progress. It has been my honor to be here today. I am proud to be part of the Wabanaki family, and I'm also very proud to state to you today that the Penobscot Nation remains a proud, strong, and powerful nation. Thank you so much. Chair is now pleased to welcome the Honorable Edward Peter Paul, Chief of the Mi'kmaq Nation, for the purpose of addressing the Joint Convention. Quay, 
Nindeluzin, Edwell, Bielpo, Sagam, Wijia, Mi'kmaq. Greetings. I am Chief Edward Peter Paul of the Mi'kmaq Nation. We are one of 30 Mi'kmaq communities on Turtle Island. We stand with our brothers and sisters from the land of the Wabanaki, our traditional territories, to give you the state of our tribes. Thank you, President Jackson. Speaker Ross, um, Leader Falkingham, Republican Leader uh, Trey Stewart, sorry, I don't know the, all the technical terms. <laughs> you know, it's, there's so many here. Um, and Congressman Golden, you know, thank you for coming. This is, uh, it's a great event. It's, you know, it's about time that uh, the state does something like this. Um, Without you guys' leadership and understanding of the benefits of having Native nations within state boundaries, we would not have this opportunity to speak with all of you today. As a state, we are only as strong as our weakest link. This body has an opportunity to strengthen one of the state's weakest link. Weakest link, not in the form of its people and culture, but in the form of growth and prosperity. This weakest link is our native nations who are still fighting for our rights of self-determination instead of participating in the growth of the prosperity of the state we live in and love. Just as any strength can be someone's greatest weakness and any weakness can become a strength, we the people in this legislative body and tribal leaders have an opportunity to shape Maine's future and rural economy by working together and using our advantages to the best of our ability. It's time as leaders in our communities to build and create opportunities for all residents in Maine, tribal and non-tribal. We have made much progress in the past four years, but there's more work to be done with open hearts and minds, with honesty and fair dialogue, there's no doubt we can create solutions that will not only benefit the Wabanaki people, but all Maine people. Walking hand in hand, moving forward together, we can work towards the goals of ensuring self-determination for Wabanaki nations while lifting up all of Maine. My nation survives on federal grants and grants alone. We don't have any economic development. We don't have a way to generate revenue on our tribal lands to better our community because we are so restricted by the state. My nation is in survival mode. We cannot focus on economic development and prosperity. We can just try, we're just trying to survive the day. We want an opportunity to self-determine our prosperity, our future, the onus of success and failure should be on us and not the state determining what success or failure is of our nation. As tribal chief, I am tasked with the protection of the health, safety, and welfare of my tribe. It is often difficult to address these issues without self-determination on our lands. We don't have a tribal court to adjudicate our, our citizens which means we don't have a police force to protect our citizens. We get limited federal funding for health care, which is not enough. Native Americans in Maine, life expectancy, 
expectancy is 20 years less than the non-natives. With a high rate of diabetes, cardiovascular disease, along with addiction epidemic that is touching many families across Maine, we are all in constant battle of survival. These are some of the major issues. Despite hardships mentioned, we continue to persevere the best we know how. We have made differences where we have the authority and are held responsible. We all know the 1980s agreement is outdated, must be modernized, and has not the prosperous effects of all that ho had hoped 43 years ago. We're asking to be put on the same footing as 570 federally recognized tribes across the country. Those tribes are subjected to federal Indian laws passed by Congress. We are asking to be treated fairly and on those same footings. Those tribes have seen 61% personal income growth since 1989 while the tribes in Maine have only seen 9% growth in that same period. We need to work together to bring prosperity to state and local communities using the advantage we have, which includes the federal beneficial laws for our Indian nations. We are not asking for handouts. We are asking to self-determine our destiny. There are numerous examples across the United States in ways states and tribes can coexist. Here in Maine, we need to find a way to move our state and our communities forward as friends, not adversaries, as neighbors, not enemies. Nothing is stronger than when people can come together, work together, and prosper together. Thank you. Chair is pleased to welcome the Honorable William Nicholas Sr., Chief of the Passamoy Tribe at Magumuk, for the purpose of addressing the Joint Convention. Thank you. I guess I get the challenge of being able to um, entertain you a little bit more. And uh, going fifth, I was able to hear um, from the other tribal leaders and it's always important but one of the things that's being here today that I keep hearing is the inequities that main tribes are receiving across the state. I haven't even got to my uh, presentation yet but I made a promise going fifth that I some of you were had visited my administration and I talked for an hour and a half and in that hour and a half I did not go on script and the speaker asked me in the end if she could have my script, and I gave her my notes. I said, that's all I have. Um, so I have the tendency after um, a long time of being able to articulate um, the challenges, the successes, and finding balances within government and the economics of it all. Before I start, I need to um, recognize, even though she's going to say not to, my wife of 34 years, uh, I heard Mr. Fran uh, Chief Francis uh, state earlier that the backbone, 
Well, she's put up with me through law enforcement career as well as being chief, and she is my backbone, and she is a leader in our community. I need to recognize my wife, Lucy Nicholas. <laughs> Willie Spazwell, Senate President Jackson, Speaker Talbot Ross, House Republican Leader Falkingham, members of the House and Senate, distinguished guests, Senator Trey Stewart, Representative Golden, Justice Mead, Justice Lawrence, tribal leaders from the Passamaquoddy tribe, Micmac Nation, Maliseet, Penobscot, elders of all of our communities and tribal citizens. Sagam William Nicholas, Deliwis, Peskumulkari, Madokmigog. What that means is I am Chief William Nicholas, the Passamaquoddy tribe at Indian Township. Kadachwi Mwesel Diban, Wedji Namitawug, Ellie Scott Detby, Agimkosolti Dig, Zida Bamausa Winnawug, Yurd Mali Ginui, Wabanakig, Naga Kadachwi Nunawan Ellie Wabanakig, Sagama Wamsolti Dig. You will hear this in Passamaquoddy towards the end of my speech again, and then I'll tell you what it means. <laughs> On December 24, uh, 24, 1776, during the Revolutionary War, General Washington asked for the help of the Passamaquoddy and the Penobscot. You've heard this earlier without hesitation. It is documented that over 600 Passamaquoddy and Penobscot agreed to serve. Wabanaki have served in every conflict since without even having the right to vote until 1967 when Native Americans were granted the right to vote in Maine. Maine was, was one of the last states in the country to comply with the Citizen Act even though the 15th Amendment passed in 1870 granted all citizens the right to vote, regardless of race. Sovereignty means the ability to govern oneself without outside interference. The Passamaquoddy tribe at Indian Township resides mainly in Washington County, a natural resource-based tribe. We employ just over 200 employees in our administration at Madokmigug with businesses in northern Washington and Somerset counties. The Passamaquoddy Tribe Indian Township operates a fully staffed community health center, providing health care, substance use counseling, dental, EMS, and a MAP program. We provide 24-hour emergency services and law enforcement, warden service, fire and rescue, 24-hour dispatch, one of only two providing 24-hour services in Washington County. Passamaquoddy Tribe's judicial system includes a juvenile wellness court, one of two in the United States, a tribal court with jurisdiction over civil, Class D criminal, and child welfare cases. We own and operate two 8A federally contracted, federal contracting businesses with locations in Mechanicsville, Maryland, Hollywood, Maryland, Augusta, Georgia, 
and Fredericksburg, Virginia. We own and operate High Stakes Bingo in Washington County on reservation. We operate under state law, obtain a license and pay licensing fees to the state. Passamaquoddy Tribe is also a partner in American Unagi, Eel Aquaculture, and Waldeboro, Maine. We are also partners with Wabanaki Public Health and Wellness to address substance use and treatment on and off reservation throughout this state to native people who are in crisis. I must ask, ask all of you, Republican, Democrat, and Independents, and tribal representatives. Although we have created businesses that help funds infrastructure, elderly services, health care, and many other internal operations of the Passamaquoddy tribe, do you notice that most of our operations are in other counties or out of state? The Land Claim Settlement Act of 1980 was to resolve land claims. It was never meant to hinder economic development and dissolve our sovereign right to make decisions on our own lands. Maine Indian Tribal State Commission was developed to help foster the relationship between the state and the tribes, and their recommendations have not been accepted. The legislature has passed multiple bills in the House and the Senate to address the inequities and in treatment of the Wabanaki tribes only to fall short to the signature of a veto in almost every instance. I am a Republican. I am a Democrat. I am an Independent. What does that mean? I am a Tribal Chief serving my fourth four-year term. It means I have an obligation to serve in the best interests of the totality of the people regardless of party affiliation or family. Imagine a day when conflict can once again be resolved by understanding others, supporting the neediest, addressing inequities and racism, making Maine the best place to live and raise a family. There is nothing we can't work on together, together, with understanding, compassion, and respect. The Passamaquoddy tribe's sovereign right to fish, hunt, trade, and provide a living has been controlled by the state since signatory in 1980. Education, health care, economic development, have had continual interference, slowing down growth for the tribe to address health disparities and educational opportunities through economic development projects that continue to fall short, with businesses having to be developed outside of our reservation and in other states. The, dis the, dis the disparity, excuse me, between wage growth in Wabanaki communities and Maine and tribal communities elsewhere from 1990 until now show that levels around Indian country have grown 60%, which you heard earlier, and only 
and Wabanaki communities in Maine. The Harvard report showed that many tribes across the country have larger, more diverse tribal governments than here in Maine, largely because of our lack of access to federal law, which blocks development. Harvard concluded that our workforce is underdeveloped because our governments are underdeveloped as a result of the settlement restrictions on our sovereignty. Limited sovereignty is not sovereignty. The opportunity to address the unfair treatment that Maine tribes have received since 1980 can be worked on and end with this legislative body of leaders. There was a clear history that has not changed. Almost every treaty made has been broken, modified, or interpreted to benefit the state. We must come together to make some positive, inclusive change and recognize the sovereignty of Maine tribes within their respective reservation and current trust lands. Wabanaki tribes have a huge economic impact in the counties and towns we live in. Passamaquoddy Tribe is one of the largest employers in Washington County. If you combine Sibayeg with Madokmigug, it's got to be close or over 400 employees within the top five in Washington County. We support our local businesses, helping to keep them ma and pop stores open. We all have an obligation to bring forward and address the inequities of the people that we represent. Maine tribes are the only tribes in the country that do not have the access to federal laws that get passed in Congress that benefit all of Indian country. Let's make that change together. Recognize the complete sovereignty of the Maine tribes and move forward in making a better state for all who live here. Dachwi Moesoltiban Kadachwi Moesoltiban We must unite together. We must unite together. That's what I just said to you. Kadachwi Moesoltiban Wedji Namituog Ellie Scott Detby Agimkusoltitig See there, Bamausa Winnowag, Yurt Mali Ginwe, Wabanaki, Naga Gadachwi, Nunuan Eli Wabanaki, Sagama Wamsol Titid, in Passamaquoddy, what I just read to you is it is our responsibility as leaders of the tribes, nations, and the state to unify behind recognizing the inequities of all people across the state and recognize the sovereignty of the Wabanaki tribes. In closing, I need to thank everybody for being able to hear us today. And also, uh, I missed a few on my, uh, in the beginning. The Attorney General, Shanna Bellows, and several others that are here in leadership positions, along with our representation from Washington County and our uh, tribal representative, 
I would like to say thank you for being here and pushing forward for the main tribes and we hope to uh, work closely more with all of you. Thank you and I appreciate the opportunity to speak. The chair is pleased to welcome Dwayne Toma, the Pasquary Tribe at Sipiak, for the performance of the Come Together song. First of all, it's an honor to, me to be here this afternoon, number one, to be able to come together. What a wonderful opportunity to be able to come together today to make changes. This is an opportunity for us to make changes today. And I'm really excited about, I've been here many times, and we want to come together. Let this year be the change. Let this year be the change in how we treat Wabanaki people. Let's show the ultimate respect to one another. You've heard those words from our chiefs. I want to share this with you. Maulukadina means let's work together. That message has always been brought here. We have always continued to bring that message. Maulukadina, it's all in our language. That's how we view the world, how we work together, our relationship with the earth, our relationship with one another, how we look out for one another. It's all communal, because that's what it's about. We're a big community. Let's not allow anybody to separate us. Because that's what's happening. In our ceremonies, it's called Odaka Wagen. It's bringing people together, sharing songs, sharing stories. So it's an honor for me to share this song with you. It's an old song from the wax cylinders of 1890, Thomas Edison's wax cylinders. Pasmaquoddy wax cylinders is what they are. And this one is about bringing people together. We Let us make good decisions on behalf of the Wabanaki people. 
It's been long overdue. Let's do the right thing and acknowledge our people. We can change that today, now, not tomorrow. We can do it now. Let's work together. Mauluk Kadina, thank you very much. The chair would like to thank Dwayne Toma for his wonderful rendition. On behalf of the speaker, who I want to make sure uh, gets recognition for the hard, hard work that she put in today, I do think it would not have happened without her level of commitment. I also want to, as I sit here and watch this uh, great event, also I'm uh, struck by the fact that <clears throat> one person didn't get recognized um, along with former Senator Mike Carpenter, but that would it be Senator Donna Bailey, yes. <laughs> Senator Donna Bailey, who I think about six years ago brought forward an idea uh, that I think is an accumulation here today. Senator Bailey, thank you for your efforts. So on behalf of the Speaker and members of the 131st Legislature, the Chair very much want to thank the Tribal Chiefs for their address of the State of the Tribes today in Maine. Thank you for being here. Thank you for what you've given to all of us, including myself, for the education and the hope that we can do much better being together. Thank you for listening to Maine Environment, Frontline, Frontline Voices. Since 1959, NRCM has been tapping into the power of Maine people, science, and the law to protect and enhance the nature of Maine. To learn more about our work protecting Maine's environment, visit nrcm.org or follow us on social media at NRCM Environment.